Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. so good to be back in church, in our church. Always wonderful to be home again. Thank you for being so welcoming. It's good to know that you still want us to come back, despite all the excellent preaching when we we're away. Praise God. So yes, the book of James has been wonderful. I hope you have enjoyed the series. I hope you have um, followed through in the book in the workbook, and if it's gone a little fast for you or you haven't been able to keep up, just keep working away, just keep digging in, keep looking through. It's, there's so much there in the book of James. We love it. So we are looking at James chapter 5, and we'll begin in verse 1. James writes, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. In verse 5, he says, You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. So we have noticed that James is quite blunt in some areas. And this was written to the 12 tribes of Israel. So it's written to the Jews. So it's written to people in church, possibly. And... uh, yeah, he doesn't pull any punches, does he? It's quite strong. And I have to say that I have never preached on that verse and I've never heard anybody else preach on that verse. <laughs> it's fairly, fairly strong. But, you know, I just couldn't get away from the, from the weep and howl. Like weep and howl. It is horrible what goes on in this earth, you know. And then and now, perhaps, I don't know if it was more obvious then, but... You know, any kind of corruption, any kind of exploitation of the rich over poor and perverting justice and stealing and even to the point of murder, he says down there, is, it's just horrific. God hates it. He hates all this sin. We hate all this sin and it's, it's bad. And, you know, James, as you know, Jesus' brother, Jesus, Jesus preached repentance He preached repentance. Luke 5.32, he says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I think I just was really struck by how often Jesus said that and everyone said that. And James is crying out to these people, these corrupt, rich people, to weep and howl. He's saying, come on, like, you're either going to weep and howl now and hopefully repent, or you will weep and howl in hell and it will be... It'll be every bit worse, much worse. So cry out in repentance now because Jesus is coming. Justice is coming. And I was, you know, obviously that's to these very corrupt people. But I think what we can learn from that, all of us, is just, just that weep and howl. I kept thinking, weep and howl. The strength of just switching on our emotions in repentance. The Bible often tells us to have a certain emotion. You know, we have a tendency to think that I just felt like that. And we do sometimes have feelings, but we can switch it on. And he wants this 
personal, loud, serious repentance to these people. But I thought, well, sometimes to us too, we need to be really repentant. We need to switch on. Weeping and howling was loud. It meant a loud lament at sin. And of course, you know, we, 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 we see and we know that sometimes in certain countries they have a, a tradition of howling and weeping more than us, you know, rather staid, generally, a lot of us English-based sort of people, but <clears throat> I know not all of us are these days, we can lovely blend, but... But still, I think there's something where we need to sometimes go there. You know, it's crying out to all of us sometimes to repent and to all of us sometimes we need to switch on sort of serious repentance, not just, oh, I shouldn't have done that, but like, no, this is not good enough. And maybe we do need to cry. Maybe we do need to come before God regularly and be aware that, you know, Jesus is coming and James is crying out to us. He's, all of these chapters, he's, he's laid down some ways to live. But we miss it. And we need to be sorry about that. We need to, to, to really take on board this sense of upset, I suppose, at sin and be loud. You know, when Chris broke his arm... Uh, he was, it was 1.15 in the morning and I heard him get up to go out at night and uh, I heard some very strange noises. <laughs> I heard this sort of bang and then a splash and I'm like, what? And then, and then a, a loud, a very loud cry out, like just, ah, like this. I'm like, what is going on out there? So, of course, I raced out and you will be pleased to know that what was coming out of his mouth was just, he was sitting there and he just cracked his arm. It was a proper break, like it was a real crack, broke his arm. And he is just crying out, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus, Jesus, help me, help me, help me, Jesus, like this. Because he was in a lot of pain and he didn't know what he'd done to himself because he was covered in pond water and it was a big mess. And there was blood as well. So, um, you know, that that's what you do when you break your arm in the middle of the night in Bali. You cry out. But I'm, I'm glad that the man of God just immediately cries out to the Lord. That's good to know, isn't it, church? And, uh, but, you know, a broken bone is very painful and causes us to cry out in pain. But a broken and sinful spirit is actually much worse. Much worse. A broken bone can be fixed by a, a good a Balinese orthopaedic surgeon who, as it turned out, had a lot of experience with broken bones because they all drive motorbikes. So that was good. Because, um, you know, you don't want to be having operations in foreign countries. It's a very strange feeling. But um, we, at one stage we said, can you just stabilise it and we can go back to Australia? And, and they went, no. <laughs> so, but, you know, a broken spirit, like, oh, when we're not right with God, it's worse we cry out with broken arms, we cry out in pain, but let's not smother the pain that's on the inside sometimes when we're not right with God. Let's not smother that. Let's also cry out to God and cry out in pain and get right with God. That's what James is saying to the rich, but even, you know, even for those who it says, you live for pleasure and luxury. We've got to be careful here, you know. We've got to be careful in the West. It's very easy sometimes to just live to, you know, get that new kitchen or, you know, get that new outfit. It is good sometimes to go to another country that's not as rich as us and, uh, you know, just see 
see people living a much simpler lifestyle and realise we, we have a very, we, we live very well, you know, we, we have a good lifestyle. We said to Onki and Shelley at some stage, we asked them about holidays. So, you know, what, you know, because pastors were sharing, it was great. We had so many similar experiences, even though we we're in different nations. But one thing that was very different, I noticed. So, so do you, what do you do? Do you, do you have time off? Do you take holidays? No. So like, you know, like a couple of times, like during the year, do you have like a couple of weeks off? No. And I was like, what? <laughs> like just, so you never have a Sunday off? Not really. I'm like, whoa. But then they did say they go and visit family once every couple of years. I went, oh, that's something. But, you know, in the West, we're sort of like, you know, you'll drop dead if you don't have your holidays at the end of the year. <laughs> like, what's that all about? But they just sort of, I, I think, you know, we can be a little pampered sometimes in the West. We like our life. So come on, that's the first lesson there. Just James does not back off from telling people to repent and neither do I. You may not be a corrupt rich person, but we've all got issues to deal with, haven't we? And let's be very decided and deliberate in getting right with God. Matthew Henry says this every night, he writes in his journal, what progress I have made in holiness. Every night, am I more like Jesus today? What, what progress have I made in holiness? I love that. I love that he thought like that every day to be more like Jesus. So we move from repentance as James does, jumps around. Verse 7, he says, Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. And then in verse 8, You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the Lord is coming soon. So we need to settle and strengthen our hearts and be patient. So it's almost like there's the corruptness of the rich or any sinful people. And then he says, but you need to be patient. Because it is a struggle sometimes, just life on earth. Life with the sinful rich people or the sinful neighbours or the sinful, you know, <laughs> family members or whoever it is that's harassing and annoying you. And we want to see results. We want to see change. And so he, he, he speaks then to patience. He says, the Lord Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. So just get your hearts ready. You know, this is temporary. We're just here temporarily. And there seems injustice and there seems things wrong and there seems frustration and sometimes I feel like I just ought not to read the papers. You know, sometimes I read the newspaper, I get so irritated by everything. <laughs> like, you know, all the stuff that's going on in our parliament. I'm like, what, what, is, what is going on? What is wrong with you guys? And it's, it's frustrating, but we need to have a certain element there where we understand this is temporary Jesus is coming soon, and he said that 2,000 years ago. I don't know when he's coming, but he's coming. This isn't our home, so we need to have strong, patient hearts that can handle what's going on in our life. And like the farmer just waits, we keep praying, we keep believing God, and the farmer waits for results. He's waiting for those results. Our results are coming, okay? Let's just keep, keep in faith and keep patient. I love, um, who knows Johnny Erickson Tarder? Does anyone remember Johnny when I was growing up? Great girl. Um, as a young girl, she was, I, I, knew, I read about her 
when she was 17, she, she dived into a, um, I think it was a lake, and uh, misjudged the water, broke her neck, and became a quadriplegic. So she's 73 years old now. She's been a quadriplegic for 52 years. 52 years. And initially was just so depressed and discouraged that she wanted to die. She didn't know how she could live like this. So she cried out, God, if I'm not going to die, you're just going to have to show me how to live. And she's actually had an amazing life. She's, um, she started a ministry for the disabled. She does fabulous camps and looks, looks after special needs families. And she inspires courage in, you know, all around the world. They have beautiful ministry. She paints. She's a public speaker. She's, she's really inspirational. She's a very, a very beautiful person. But she speaks about just how overwhelming it is sometimes to be a quadriplegic and how hard it is to just face the burden of every day. She says, sometimes I'm just overwhelmed. It's just hard. She said, I need courage to face the day and arrive. <laughs> arrive in the day. She said, she, I heard her speaking and she was saying how she's lying in bed and she hears her helpers come in and she has to wait for them to come in and pick her up and get her dressed and get her ready for the day and you know, do the, all the stuff that she can't do for herself. And she said, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore, God, I don't want to do it. And she's fighting. She says, I'm fighting just to smile when they walk in, just to give them a smile and still be a beautiful woman of God, like just give them a smile. She says, they come in and they don't realise sometimes I've already had a major battle. I've already had a major battle to just thank them and be grateful um, she says, life, life is a fierce struggle. It is a fierce struggle sometimes. And, you know, just, I'm so inspired by her. I hadn't sort of, I, I remember reading about her when I was young, 14, 15, and I haven't thought about her much since then. And I'm just so inspired by her endurance and her courage and her patience and using what little she has so well and I think what a great example for us to remember to be patient in our areas of struggle because we want to see change, but we don't always. And we have areas like that in our lives. And someone like that is a great example for us, as James is saying, to establish our heart, to allow our hearts to be firm and stable and secure, accepting sometimes the difficulties of life but not accepting it in a depressed or discouraged way, but with a smile on our face and trusting God and knowing it's temporary, some of these issues, and just moving forward. And I'm so inspired by her. She, he says in verse 10, look at the prophets. We, we look at them as an example of suffering and patience. And look at verse 11. It says, indeed, we count them blessed who endure. We count them blessed who endure. That word blessed, as, as you know, there's two words in Greek for blessed. And one means happy and one means blessed. And this one, makarizo, is happy. So we think they're happy. They endured, they must, they're happy. And it's like, do we? <laughs> really? Like, do we? Do we? Like, do we really look at those prophets in the Old Testament who got stoned and thrown in prison and did all sorts of terrible things to suffer for Jesus, do we go, yeah, good on them. Yay, that's happy. It's like, 
no, I don't want that life, Lord. Can they, I, I think, oh, can I go with like more an easier Christian life? <laughs> I'd rather just sit and watch a movie than, um, you know, or, or preach and then go on a holiday in a villa. I don't want to be stuck in prison like Paul. I don't even want to be stuck in, you know, with physical affliction. But James says, no, they're blessed. Because, listen to this, you heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and gracious. Wow. Wow, that's an amazing, that's not, so wait a minute, the lesson of Job, the Lord is compassionate and gracious? Is that what we get from Job? I thought we got, oh boy, I don't get life, but okay, (laughs) whatever God. No, the lesson is he's gracious. God is gracious. He's going to sort out our suffering soon enough. He's fair. He will make amends. He will make amends for anything on this earth that we suffered with, that we felt was unjust. God will make it right. He'll either make it right here on earth in various ways, or if you don't feel that it got completely right on earth, he will make it right in heaven. Either way, we will be happy. Any suffering that we have, any difficulties we have, we are happy because our character grows. We become more like Jesus if we let it, if we let it work on, in us. And we get rewards for enduring and getting through these issues. So that's the lesson. And we are excited by that lesson. We're happy. So that's what it's saying there. We're patient because we know it's all going to work out. I'm, I'm handling this particular issue. I count it. A joy, as James said right at the beginning, count it all joy when you meet various trials because we are growing. We are making that progress in holiness that Matthew Henry talked about. And I want that progress. I really do. I want to be better so that when I get to heaven, I will have gone as far as I can on earth. Because once we're in heaven, we'll be perfect. No more, no more, we won't, we won't have to keep working against sin. There's no sin in heaven. So let's work on it now. Let's, let's go. So we see this repentance to start with and then we see the patience in dealing with these issues of life. And then finally in verse 13, you think, all right, well, okay, I'll just be patient and handle it then, Lord. But James again jumps to action. So let's look at verse 13 to 18. He says this, is anyone suffering? Well, yes, we've just established that. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And then he also says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. So this is great. We see on the one hand, and this is the, the, I love the way the Word of God does this. On the one hand, it says you're going to suffer and you might have to just be patient and wait and hang in there. But then it says, but at the same time, we fight. And I think sometimes people do one or the other. They sort of just, oh, well, this is my lot and I'll just endure it forever, which is okay. But then they don't 
they're not fighting. They're just giving up. But James wants us to have that patience, but also to fight. Other people fight like, this isn't right. I'm going to pray. And they fight and pray, you know, whatever for a month or two. And they go, oh, I didn't work. Forget it. Ah, I tried all that. I remember someone saying to me, I tried tithing. Didn't work. I'm like, didn't work? What, what does that mean? <laughs> didn't, didn't, it didn't work. You know, I, 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 you know I'm, not, I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm like, no, you fight and you have patience. You don't, it's not one or the other. It's got to be both. We, we're, not, we're not just going to sort of give up and endure life until we get to heaven. We're going to have patience, but we've got a good, strong heart. So we're going to fight and we're going to do what James says. He says, all right, here we go. Are you suffering? Pray. So get on your knees and get through that suffering and figure out what God wants you to do with this suffering. How do I deal with this, Lord God? Where am I going with this? Let's, let's seek God, pray and keep praying until you have a sense of His presence and Him visiting you. It takes a little bit sometimes. Sometimes you pray and ah, it just takes a little while, but then, then ah, you have a sense of His presence and His face and, and a word and, and then ah, just joy. You just feel good. Once you connect with God, it's like, oh, we're good, aren't we? And he's like, yeah, we're good. It's okay. I love that. I love connecting. So let's pray. Are you sick? Call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save him and raise him up. So this is a strong scripture. This is a strong scripture. It says if you're sick, notice the onus is on you to call the leaders I'm always surprised by people that say, oh, I was sick and no one prayed for me. I went, did you ask anyone to pray for you? Well, no. I'm like, well, we're not mind readers. Like, you know, call your connect group leader. Let them know. Call someone. Just say, hey, can you pray for me? But we've seen so many great healings in this church. I get out the praise reports and I go through. I'll give you a list of some quick ones. Uh, endometriosis, gone and Pregnant women. We're good with pregnant women here. If you want to, we have a lot of pregnancies and a lot of babies. Uh, chronic severe back pain, completely gone. Gallstones disappeared after being seen on X-ray, just gone. A young man woke up from a coma after we prayed for him. Broken bones healed suddenly. Some slow, but some suddenly. It's okay, babe. Um, <laughs> chronic fatigue syndrome, gone. Ear infections cleared up. All sorts of infections and fever gone very quickly. A cracked skull healed. Lots of diagnoses changed. We've had many people come in to the doctor say, I've got cancer. And we go, right, let's pray. And then they go back and the doctor says, no, you don't. I'm like, that's not usual. That's, that's strange. They go, I'm not quite sure what happened there. And it's because it's not good for a doctor to say you've got cancer one week and not the next. But we have that all the time. I love that. I have a friend, a Russian friend, Lena. She couldn't have children, so I prayed for her. Today she has a very handsome son called Efim. Just, you know, I, I could just go on and on. And so we pray. I remember one time one of our members who had a um, compromised immune system caught the flu and nearly died. He was close to death for six days. In hospital, intensive care. He possibly had brain damage. So we prayed for him and he said that he thought I came into the hospital because he said, I heard you praying when I was in the hospital and then I knew I was healed. And I'm like, I didn't go into the hospital. And he goes, yeah, but I heard you praying. And I'm like, wow, 
Yeah, wow. He heard us praying when, we were, when he was unconscious. He got better. He's strong and still fine today. So, you know, we see all the time answers to prayer and we've just got to keep praying and believing God just as he says. To, to, it says, the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. So we take a hold of that promise and we believe it and we pray it. And then we also remember the patience of the farmer. So I don't know. Sometimes when we get to heaven, we can say, God, can I just ask a little question? How come when I prayed for a new sideboard table or some stupid thing, you know, like I've, I've had this, I've just, I don't know, I wanted a, something for my house and bang, I get it like within a minute, like the next day someone rings me up. Here, I've got this for him. I'm like, thank you, Lord. But then other things which seem to me to be a little bit more serious, like just a little bit more serious, I seem to wait years for. I'm like, we can ask God about that. I don't know. But we can go to God and say, what was that? <laughs> He'll explain. I don't know. I just know that God is good. That's the lesson that Job learnt, remember? He is very, very compassionate. That's what it says. He, that word there, it's a big, it's in Greek, pulos, it's like there's an abundance of compassion and love for you. So whether it's taking a little while or a long time or a short time, it's okay. We know that our prayers are very powerful and we need to keep praying and believe in that power. I love that verse there in verse 16. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. New King James says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Passion Translation, tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. So let's make sure that we're in a position to have that tremendous power Sometimes we need to get right with God because he talks a little bit again about confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, and then the effective fervent prayer. John Piper says, when we're in sin, the power's not as strong. He says, I get before God, I confess my sin. He said, I'm cleansed. And so now prayer feels possible, right and powerful again. So that's why there's this emphasis on repentance and, and confession Confess your sins to one another. Just, I'm sorry, I missed it, I blew it. Just get right before God, get right with each other, not just so that we feel good and we feel right, but because then we're in a confident position to really pray with power. So we really need to be in a right place with God because we've got to do some great work in prayer. And there's so many things that we do in prayer. Like it says, Elijah... He prayed it did not rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. So there's just one area of prayer where we can pray with him. And we actually uh, have a lot of great weather prayers in this church. Bethany is a specialist in weather prayer. Harriet's amazing. We've had quite a few outdoor weddings and <clears throat> I don't recommend it. I mean, it's great for your prayer life, but oh... Oh, Eleanor and Caleb, oh, it was terrible. It was just one of those, those times where it rained and rained and rained for months. It was about three months of solid block rain. It just never, it was, and they, there was even a newspaper article saying all the weddings that have been cancelled and ruined and we had an outdoor wedding and it was in that courtyard. And I don't think that the, this building was even 
built inside. No, we couldn't have it inside. It had to be outside. And the reception. Oh, it's just like, God, please, can you just stop the rain? But we, we prayed and the, the rain stopped on that Saturday. And even my family rang up and said, my family, hi, guys. <laughs> not always praying the same as me, not always believing the same things, but um, they watch online, I've found out, so I've got to be careful. <laughs> They are keeping an eye on me. Hi, Mum. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> yeah, Mum says, always watch the service. I'm like, oh, good to know. Um, so I remember my brother, Hunter, who I don't think watches, so that's okay, I can talk about him. He said, well, Ruth, the big guy really turned it on for you guys, didn't he? Typical, typical. And I went, yes, Hunter, that's what he does. So, but Harriet had the same thing. Your daughter's wedding, they said thunderstorms. We prayed. Uh, I don't know, half our wedding, even Luke and Shelley, I think your wedding, yes, 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 it's like the scary wedding. But, but God just so often when it matters, sometimes it doesn't matter, whatever. But many times we had church camps and events and we prayed, okay, rain clouds, go away, no, stop, we can change the weather. But there has to be that position in God of honesty and fervency. And there has to be a passion it has to be the fervent. It's, sometimes you feel like it doesn't matter. Well, if it doesn't matter, you're not, you're not praying about it. But when it matters, when it matters, then that's when you really, you get in there and you pray and there's tremendous power. So repentance, patience, power. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, James. James has come to an end. So thank you, James. I thought it might be interesting to hear just what happened to James. Uh, ancient historians Hegesippus and Josephus. He was known as James the Just, according to them. He had knees like a camel, they reckon, because he prayed so much. <laughs> James was captured by Jewish leaders eventually, and along, it seems, with most of these guys, was martyred. They took him to the top of the very same temple that Jesus went to and they asked him to blaspheme Christ or they would throw him off. He replied, I see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of glory. So they threw him off. He didn't die, so they started to stone him. And his words then were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So... God is good. The crowd were watching. They heard him cry out and apparently the, someone took pity on him and clubbed him to death because it was taking a while for him to die. So these men of God, they were brave, weren't they? They wrote the, the word of God. They followed Jesus and a good many of them ended up being martyred. But their words stand strong. So we just, I just, you know, I'm excited by all that we've learned in James it's up to us. We've read it and he's challenged and rebuked us and guided us in this book. And now it's up to us to obey, to be doers of the word, not just hearers, to count it all joy, have faith in God, watch our words, watch our tongue, humble ourselves before God, pray with power. It's all there. And now it's just like always, we've got to be obedient. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the book of James. We thank you for the life of James. Thank you for his witness, 
His courage, His wisdom. Inspire us, God, to be like Him, to be like Him, to just follow You with all our hearts and trust You with the results, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty Name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.